Hi everyone, great to have you back and I am delighted to see so many of you getting in touch on the Ask For More Facebook group. Join us in the group for lots of exclusive content and discussions about the topics we cover. Now, many of us are looking for the next step in our career. Growing, learning and progressing is so important for our development. But how do we develop and how can we instigate changes in our own lives? Today, I'm speaking to Lynn Mann, founder of multi-award winning Supernature Oils. She's had 22 different careers in her life and she's now a farmer who schmoozes with the Queen and George Clooney. Joining us is Lisa Thompson, MD of Purpose HR. Lisa's a self-confessed introvert who's transformed into a passionate, powerful leader. We look at the opportunities these women have created for themselves, discuss the psychology of interviews and reveal the opportunities that changed their lives. As usual, we finish with some top tips and inspo quotes. When it comes to development, attitude is everything. Great to have you both here. It's Lisa Thompson and Lynn Mann. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Hi there. Nice to have you here. <laughs> Lynn, you've done a lot in life and it, on your development um, journey, you've accumulated 22 different jobs. Different careers. Do you want to run us through some of some of the headlines. Oh gosh, yeah, this all came about because um, when my son was younger, he had obviously heard me over the years mention when I did this or when I did that. And one night he said, mum, how many jobs have you had? And I said, oh, well, actually, and until that point, I hadn't counted it up. And then I counted up and things like barmaid or whatever, it only counted as one, even although I had sort of three or four times had bar jobs. and. Uh, so it came to 22. So things like I was an aerobics instructor for a couple of years in the evenings, as well as working during the day. Um, I trained as a psychotherapist and worked for a counselling agency in Edinburgh for a while. I um, sold water filters at one point, um, <laughs> worked in a hotel and um, was a merchandiser for a lighting company. Um, so various different career paths along the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, how important have all of them been? Do you ever feel that you take little bits from all of them on the definitely, journey with you? Definitely. I, I think that it wasn't until we started this business um, that I, you know, and, and sort of a bit into it, it was a huge learning curve. And I think it was a few years before I realised just how much all these different career paths had given me experiences yeah. and learning that I was drawing on on a day-to-day -day basis with running Supernature, and uh, and I think that I think that anything like that, you know, at the time I probably felt that I had sort of failed in trying all these different mm -hmm. things because I wasn't finding what was the thing for me. Yeah. But actually, in retrospect, um, there was there were a lot of valuable lessons yeah. that I learned along the way. But isn't it funny that we do that when, especially we're, we're younger, we're just starting out in careers and when we do mm. fail, you know, fail in, in the, the meanest sense of the word and it always feels so impactful and so awful when we do, uh, whether you get sacked from a job and believe me, I got sacked from so many jobs <laughs> um, or whether we, we try something out and realise it's not for us and think we've wasted time. And that's mm. the kind of the foremost thought I would always have is I can't mm. believe I've wasted my time doing this. Mm. And it, it is interesting to see how once you, you are older that you, you, you 
bring in some of those skills mm. even that, that you learned because um, I'm interested about being the, you, the fact that you were a barmaid. Um, <laughs> I think that's one of the best jobs in the world. It yeah. yeah. uh, gives you great people skills. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I did play at that at uni as well. Yeah. <laughs> it just teaches you how to speak to people. Yeah. Have you had any surprises from jobs that you've done in the past that you think, I never thought I would use that again and yet I have? Or I'm using it now, or it's helping me with where I am today. Uh, I think lots of different bits from all of them. I think um, definitely when it comes to kind of sales and things, mm -hmm. the the just the the people skills, just being able to build a rapport with someone, just being able to um, feel comfortable in sort of chatting to people. Um, even things like with networking, those other jobs, you know, a lot of people hate networking because they find it really difficult to kind of do small talk if they're not used to doing it. Whereas if you're facing people in a in a service job like a barmaid, like you say, you're you're constantly making small talk with people, but it doesn't have to feel like small talk. Quite often it just feels like you're passing the time of day with someone building a rapport with them. So so all of that's hugely um, helpful when you're when you're selling. Lisa, one of your biggest development opportunities in life was with the Saltar Leaders Programme, um, which is hugely competitive. And you, you managed to get on this. And this is one of the, the achievements, accomplishments that you have that you attribute to being where you are today. Absolutely. Basically, it's the chance to go abroad and study at Babson College in Boston in the US and study entrepreneurship. So I've actually been at a bit of a turning point in my own career, recently taking redundancy from, from a role. Um, and I thought, well, if not now, when? And, and I'm going to put myself forward. So I, I was encouraged to apply. We had to pitch which is totally out of my comfort zone. I had to stand up and do a pitch and it was to pitch yourself and why you, why you could be um, a leader and take that opportunity. Um, we took part in our um, sort of group assessment day interview. I had lots of experience arranging those, not so much doing them myself. Um, and we had to write a business plan and things. Um, so I, w I, was, I was very fortunate. I was successful at, at that interview and then also to receive a funded place for the programme as well, because obviously there's a cost for the programme. Um, so I was I was one of the three people that had a funded place to go. But it was an amazing opportunity because you got to do so much travelling as well, didn't you? You were in Silicon Valley. That's right. Shanghai. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So we spent four months in Boston. We did our um, company visit trip around Silicon Valley. So we went to Google, um, went out to um, some of the games companies, EA Games and businesses like that. So just looking at the, the, the growth stories that they've had and meeting a lot of inspirational business leaders as well. Um, I mean, it sounds like an absolute dream, but what's interesting as well for you is that it came at quite a difficult time in some ways yeah. because you had a daughter that was two and this opportunity meant that you were going to be travelling for four months. That's right. I mean, it was an absolute blessing, yeah. um, but it was also... Tell, yeah. me, tell me the, the decision-making process that you went through. There was definitely a negotiation discussion at home. <laughs> um, you know, and I, you know, I'm very fortunate. My, my husband supported me um, with that and, you know, was able to... He, he's a lawyer, um, so he had juggling to do around childcare and things like that. And obviously it wasn't something that I took lightly. It was, you know, hard mm -hmm. to, to be away. I did come home halfway through, so I came home for a few nights at Thanksgiving. Um, but the rest of the time it was, um, you know, face FaceTime 
um, chatting, chatting on the phone. How so great is FaceTime though? Did, you know, the invention <laughs> of this technology that allows you to actually see yeah. other people. It was. Your daughter, she must have loved that yeah. too. You know, I bet she was on her, she had a, did she have her own iPad too? No, she, no. Was on, she was on Using daddy's yours. phone. <laughs> I have to say there was times where I looked forward to it all day because she had the time difference mm. as well because um, I was in Boston and I'd look forward to, to chatting at a certain point in the day and she might be too busy watching Peppa Pig. You're an amazing yeah. role model for your daughter and I, honestly, you know, it's it, clear that you took that that opportunity to also help her and and, and her future but yeah. you did come under a bit of criticism for it from some people yeah well diff- different people questioned it you know how, how could you do that and um I think I had you know I didn't feel I had to justify it I mean sometimes I would I would just say well you know here she is and, and she's fine um and actually everyone has to make their own different decisions but as I say for me it was about investing in, in our family and for our future and she was, she was with her dad and he did an amazing job. I mean shout out to all the great partners. Yeah, <laughs> You've also got a very supportive partner which is great. I do yes yeah. we started Supernature Oils together and uh, our daughter at the time was only two or three mm. uh, then and uh, so it did involve a fair bit of juggling mm-hmm. and uh, the great thing is with him being a farmer he was quite often at the farm so when she got a bit older and she was at school and she was getting dropped back and things he was always there at the farm or or working in the factory so um, it meant it was a bit easier for because she got a school bus back so it was a bit easier that she could just get dropped at the farm and and he didn't have to pick her up and things so but yeah definitely a a juggling act because you know from doing this podcast sometimes I do almost shy away a little bit from speaking to women about their their families and about that because I feel like we're moving the conversation on a wee bit more and to have that respect for you Mm. as business women we don't necessarily need to mention it but I think that it was a really important thing for me to ask you because I really respect your decision and you know I also do want to give a wee shout out to supportive partners because yeah. we don't all have them yeah. you know and it, it, it does work both ways I think Definitely. Um, you know mm-hmm. the, the fact that you obviously work really well together yeah. as partners is is, is is fabulous and you know we are all people first before everything else that we do absolutely uh, Lisa Purpose HR um, that's your that's your business that's yeah. what you do um, but you also have a really interesting approach to and 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 um, you have, a, you have a really interesting view on how we test in interviews. And that came from a time when you failed a psychometric test. Tell me about that. Um, well, I think I think there's two there's two parts to that. There's probably about having a plan of what your career is going to look like and it doesn't always go um, <laughs> that way. And certainly when I was at uni all the way through, studied languages and politics, and I wanted to go into the foreign office. Um, I had quite a fixed view that that was going to be the career path to go down. I passed all the kind of academic exams and the requirements for that, um, but where, where I fell down was they did a psychometric test, um, and, and apparently I wasn't the profile that, that was right for that. Um, now it might be I dodged a bullet and I've, I've gone down a path that's better. <laughs> it was a foreign office. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know that's how I've, I've, I've ended up having a diff- having a plan B and going into HR. Um, but what I do think is that you know an interview, particularly in the talent market now where so many businesses in the sectors we work with in the tech particularly they're fighting over, over the best talent and um, mm-hmm. talent interviews are definitely a two-way process it's about looking not just at a person's technical skills um, and attributes and what they've done before because mm-hmm. many of those are things that you actually for the right people you can develop those and you can teach those but also looking at culture fit 
um, what is an environment where people will actually come and thrive so are you creating that and is it the environment that's right for that person and looking at potential as well um, and and you know how how might people develop or what might be opportunities for them and can you create that environment not just what have people done before mm -hmm. people might actually have done something before in an environment that was entirely different mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they would they would achieve that same success in your organization or business as well it, it's interesting that you talk about potential because i did read um a couple of weeks ago an article that demonstrated often candidates male candidates are judged on their potential and, and female candidates are often judged on their experience so um you know it's something to think about in, inter in interview processes but you are certainly looking at the interview process as you've just said as a two-way process yeah, now absolutely. and i do think um people when they come for interviews now they want to know that they're going to settle you know more often than not we want to find the right environment for Absolutely. ourselves. Um, Spend so much time at work yeah. <laughs> with these people. Well, you do. It becomes yeah. a second family, or it can do. Or I don't know whether mm. I should say this, but it should do mm. if you're spending that much time with people. Um, Lynn, obviously, you were a psychotherapist. I'd, be, I'd love to know what you think <laughs> about the, the psychology behind interviews. Yeah, I think... Um, <laughs> I think... For me, the, the biggest thing I learned in, in the uh, psychotherapy training was that there's so much commonality in us all. You tend to think of the differences between ourselves and others, but there's so much commonality there. And I think that um, for me, what's important in, you know, if I was going for an interview or if I was interviewing someone would be trying to find what the common ground is, trying mm -hmm. to uh, see their basic humanity as a person and not getting too hung up on specific points. Like you were saying, you know, people you work with can end up becoming a second family. So I think it's much more important that someone fits in with your organisation, that you are able to have a rapport with them, that you can, um, you know, that they're going to get along with their, their people that they're working with and things. So so all of that, for me, is just about the, the basic um, commonality of us as human beings. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the moment, are you interviewing people for any roles? No, I mean, have? yeah, it would be great if we were because yeah. we just <laughs> were running around <laughs> doing everything ourselves. But, you know, we, I mean, we have... Um, uh, Chris and I work in the business full-time. We have another person who works full-time. We have a couple of part-time people um, that work with us. But um, I've also had quite a few student placements, which has been fantastic mm -hmm. because young people are coming in with new ideas. We worked with the university in Edinburgh and had them um, work with us for different periods of time. Mm -hmm. And that's been a fantastic um, kind of new fresh set of eyes on the organization and, and really helping us with things so i mean you're both employers i'm, I'm interested to know what you look for in, in candidates what the, the kind of biggest strength is for a candidate or, or what you what, what you want to see when people walk through the door well one of mine's around um about passion and um getting excited about our clients and what they do um, and also like commercial awareness as well um i think you can get too hung up on um, qualifications and a discipline so obviously working in HR actually for me it's about people that also have that kind of entrepreneurial spirit they might not be going to go and set up a business themselves but having that excitement about building a business and helping a business grow mm -hmm. and all the wider aspects of business not just your core functionalism mm -hmm. I think that what, what you're saying resonates a lot though because you it, it, 
think when you spend so much time in a job as well, it's great when you see people that want to come to work. Yes. And you know, to, I think you have to have passion for yeah. what you do. Otherwise, yeah. it becomes a, you know, people that come in at nine and have to leave at five. And let, you know, I'm not saying around mm. childcare or anything, but some people do have that that attitude. And yeah. I've worked with people in the past. And I find it very draining, almost that they they're just not enthused for it, and it, it creates a different environment, doesn't it? Mm. It's about having a purpose. Um, yeah, and if mm. your purpose is also part of what you do at work, then you're you're more fulfilled. So mm. Great plug, purpose HR. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Len? What would you what do you want to see in people when they come to you? I know you said humanity yeah. is really important. Yeah, and I think also um, it would be about uh, having people that complement our strengths, mm -hmm. um, because I think that over the the time of developing Supernature. Um, you, I've really sort of understood what my own strengths and weaknesses are and, and the same with Chris and, and you start to realise what you're good at and what you're not so good at and what works and what doesn't. So I think really anyone else that we were getting to work with is it would be about them being able to complement mm -hmm. and maybe plug some gaps where we were a bit weaker um, and uh, I think that would be quite important as well as the, the sort of feeling that they would fit in mm -hmm. with us would be would be looking for that kind of the skill sets that would balance out with because us. being a smaller a small company you yeah. do want to find people I guess that have skills that you don't yeah um, definitely but, but so, so, so for you it is important to find that but in addition yeah. to that you, you like to you yeah. want to have some rapport don't you yeah. or you want to have a bit of a laugh at work yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lynn you have developed an amazing mindset when it comes to sales and it comes from your your sort of first experience within Supernature Oils. So um, take us back to like when you and your husband <coughs> decided that you were going to grow rapeseed and start producing oil. Sure. Um, well, yeah, we he it was his idea actually, and and I was um, had on a career break at the time from uh, from being a therapist, and. Uh, he had mentioned potentially going down the route of producing oil. I didn't really know anything about it. And I said, oh, I'll, I'll look into it. One of my jobs was a researcher in television. <laughs> of course so, it was. So I looked into um, cold pressed rapeseed oil and I said, wow, this stuff's actually healthier than olive oil. I think you should produce it. And he said, well, I would be okay at growing the crop. I think I could produce it really well, but I don't think I'd be any good at actually sort of getting into the marketplace. I said, why don't I help you for six months just to get it off the ground? So that was the plan. Um, we didn't have much money at the time, um, which was why he was a, was going into diversifying on the farm to add value what he was already producing. And so we started it off really on a budget. He drove the seed to the north of England when he had grown it, got someone to press it, brought the oil back in big vats, brought that back to the farm and we bottled it. And a dear friend of ours who's our, a, designed our labels for us said to me, but Lynn, how are you actually going to sell this thing when we had it all there in bottles and boxes? He said, it's not as if you can just put it in the back of the car and, and drive it around Edinburgh. And I said, well, actually, that's exactly what I was meant to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, sounds perfectly, perfectly Yeah, normal. and so he was like, oh, right, okay. So I built myself up to it over a few weeks, 
had all the cases of oil wow. in the back of the car, drove around in Edinburgh, went to 27 different places. Some were restaurants that I was just handing in a bottle of oil to let them Gosh, try. Gosh, it's like only fills and horses, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> it felt like boy. that. <laughs> and uh, some were, were delis and, and uh, things, butcher shops and things that I was asking them if they'd like to buy some. The 27th place I went to was a, a butcher shop in Tollcross in Edinburgh. And I think I must have had a really desperate look in my eyes. I, I think he must have felt sorry for me because he said, I'll take a case of your oil. And uh, they're still customers now, nine years That's later. Great, yeah. And uh, But when I got home, I, I although we were jumping up and down because I'd actually sold a case of oil and I, the boot wasn't quite so full, <laughs> um, I, you know, I thought I, I've got to make this easier. I can't do this every time. I had psyched myself up to it for weeks, yeah. felt ill as I was driving around Edinburgh. I had this all built up in my head that I was cold calling and I was going into these places. So over the next kind of week or two, I realised that what I needed to do was was have a different perspective it's on changing it in my your head. narrative because I wonder exactly. what you were telling yourself. You know, it's. Yeah. I think if you're focusing on that that negative. Um, they don't want to hear from me, I'm pestering them, yeah. you know, that yeah. voice, then, yeah. Yeah. you know, it is going to play on, on your mind definitely, throughout. Definitely, yeah. definitely. So I realised that what I, what I was doing, the, the, the most basic thing that I was doing was taking a product that we were producing on our farm that I thought was fantastic, that I loved, and I thought it tasted brilliant. I was so pleased with how it came out. So I thought, right, okay, I love this. My job isn't selling. My job is to let everyone know that we are producing this product. If they would like to, let them try it. If they don't, next. Mm -hmm. If they try it and they like it, fantastic. Ask them if they would like to have some. If not, next, next, next. Okay. And the minute I reframed it that I was just my job was just to let people know about mm. what we were producing and let them try it. I just felt so much more relaxed about doing it. I felt more able to just go into places. I'm not saying I didn't get nervous, of course, that sometimes I was still nervous and, and going to um, meetings with buyers and things like that. I would still be nervous, but I would always keep bringing myself to that basic thing. And I didn't ever really think about it as selling. I just felt mm. as if I was communicating um, about our product and, and messages around it. That was very much one of your biggest lessons in, in your own yeah. development, um, yeah. and certainly as a as a founder of yeah. Supernaturals, that was the, yeah. the that was seems yeah. very central. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, that's a huge part of what you do now, isn't it? Yeah, sales. Um, it is actually. So I haven't I've maybe anticipated the extent that my business has grown, um, and now I don't so much spend the time with clients doing delivery of HR projects. It's more about being the face of the business, going out and finding, you know, new clients and work, um, and running it. And so actually, I, I, I maybe wouldn't think of myself as a traditional salesperson, but that is what I do. Um, often, I, I guess it is warm leads, it's introductions, but then it's going and meeting people. And again, exactly like you said, Lynn, it's about, well, well, I can tell you about the value that what we've done with other clients and what's worked for them and how we can help you. Mm -hmm. And more think about it as about mm. helping. Yeah. people it's not just cold call phone yeah. people and yeah. actually really enjoy it because yeah. you learn about people's challenges yeah. um, and then you think about ways to help them mm. and, it, and it's enjoyable it's mm. fulfilling do you feel that to, to to be a founder to be a successful business woman that you do need to master sales 
Yes, yes, I think so. Yeah, I mean, somebody um, that I know said his sort of favourite catchphrase was "Sales solve everything," yeah. <laughs> and uh, I can see why. And I think so. No matter what kind of business you've got, that if you want your business to grow and be successful, I think that's that is the yeah. root of it. Yeah, and you know, you can have the best product or service in the world, but if you don't tell people about it mm. or mm. nobody's paying you, then it's not a mm. business. Yeah. Did it come naturally to you to sell? Selling something that you, through the, the leadership programme, through um, various endeavours that you've had before in your yeah. roles that you feel like you'd built up uh, to be quite natural, did it come naturally I, to you? I would go back to what we talked about before in that programme, that is when I spent time in the US actually, just to say that's probably one of the transformational aspects of it because I knew about HR, knew about the discipline that I'd spent my career in. But when you run a business, you have to sell. You have to have customers. Mm -hmm. um, and that we spent a lot of time learning about sales process. We had amazing sales coaching in the US from people that were so confident, so professional, but also not maybe what I might have traditionally thought a salesperson was. They were mm -hmm. actually really warm and engaging. And I thought, yes, I can do that. Um, so, so a lot of that learning was, was really transformational. Yeah, because I, I mean, I think when we traditionally think of sales, people think of like working out of a brief, briefcase and wandering around shops mm. and, you know, cla that class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> back of the van. <laughs> <laughs> I really do love that story about you. I just think that's fabulous. Um, one thing that um, I'd really love to talk to you about, Lisa, is the fact that you are a self-confessed introvert. And, um, you know, it's, it's so lovely to, to have you here and to meet you and you're so softly spoken and it's one thing that you you did mention even as we we're coming in and getting the mics tested and things you're saying <laughs> I'm so softly spoken I think you'd be a great storyteller because yeah. you know you, you command it's almost you, that you command attention with with your voice because people have to listen yeah. but I'm wondering where you are on your journey as a leader and whether that's ever kind of played into how you shape or frame yourself as a leader oh definitely uh, absolutely I will tell you a little story actually that I think is quite interesting interesting um, when I was quite early in my career it was brought up as something that was going to hold me back I was told um, you know you need to get better at public speaking and you need you need to be more confident you need to project and one of the training courses that I was sent on that it was probably one of the scariest things I've done in my life was actually a it was a drama course so they had us up on a stage um, in a quick hall and we had to, Did you have to pretend projecting. to be trees and things um, no it was <laughs> <laughs> it was about public speaking so it was basically pushing you right out of your comfort zone and it was um, uncomfortable for me I found it really difficult but actually I also learned that you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone sometimes um, it was a safe space was there to practice you know it wasn't in front of execs in a business that I was working with um, and it was actually a great opportunity and I've used that to always try and think about challenges as opportunities so definitely that but also I've learned that um, you can lead with your own strengths as well um, you know feedback that I've had from people I work with is actually Lisa's good at keeping us calm in mm -hmm. difficult situations you can bring a different strength to a room and sometimes confidence is not the same as competence um, and actually people that talk the loudest or can be the mm. most dominating are not necessarily the people with the most to say. Yep. Um, I'll amen that absolutely when working yeah. in media it's, it's sometimes often the ba a battle of who can shout the loudest yeah. and I really I'm not picking on men here I've just met a lot of them <laughs> that mm -hmm. you know I think that, that, that it is portrayed as confidence and yeah. actually when you get down to it they often have very little experience or anything yeah. else to back it up which yeah. you know sometimes you really have to look for the quieter voices in the room yeah. to yeah. understand the situation yeah. but I would have the approach of letting them shine too because I mm. you know I try to mm. do that now so 
Very and, nice and similarly to what you said there about um, competence, I think that a, a lot of the times women don't feel that confident, but I think that a lot of confidence comes from um, feeling capable, is, mm. is building a sense yeah. of your own capabilities. Yeah. And just like we talked about earlier, different experiences, drawing them from different career paths yeah. and things, you start to realise that you have innate uh, qualities, it might be about your personality, it might be experiences you've yeah. had um, that are all form capabilities that yeah. you have and and the more you come to realize that I think you more naturally have confidence rather mm. than having to force the confidence yes. you feel a more kind of quiet underlying confidence that yeah. okay I know I can do this yeah and uh, I think that that makes a big difference and it's is something that's really important especially with with women in business it's really great to hear that you've embraced that though that it's not something because especially when you're so much younger and being told that this is something that's going to hold you back and mm -hmm. it's of who you are you don't choose that it, yes. it is part of who well, you it's are it's actually physical it's not mm. <laughs> your voice is, is part of you so mm. yeah and but, but you've chosen to really empower yourself by this um and i think in contrast lynn you have this attitude that you sort of i mean you do a lot of public speaking and you would give anything a bash everything a bash you're going to tell me that not everything <laughs> wait a minute there is a line somewhere there's a line somewhere it's okay we don't have like a bungee jump out the back for you to test you but but um you know throughout life you've really kind of pushed yourself as well to do things yeah. and to push yourself outside your comfort zone how important is that have been in your development because it seems i mean you've had 22 different careers yeah. you've clearly tried a lot and and yeah. you know but you're pushing yourself outside your comfort zone how important is that yeah definitely i mean i, I I think I've always kind of been like that and I feel like um, I, I want to try things and, and push myself and I think I've always felt that I want to sort of push that comfort edge and uh, I think certainly in, um, you know, building Supernature, I think that that's something that I've, it's been a real development curve for me and a lot of it has been about getting comfortable being uncomfortable and, yes. and pushing yourself and pushing yourself mm -hmm. and and um, similarly to, to Lisa in the program that she was in I uh, my kind of turning point was in um, becoming part of a business accelerator in the early days of them and uh, I didn't really want to do it. A friend kind of pushed me into it. I thought it was more kind of just office space, mm -hmm. but the whole mindsets and behaviours thing really resonated with me. So there, there was a lot in the, involved with the psychology. They taught you a lot about Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah a lot around that. And, and I think that it made me realise more of that sense of my own capabilities and, and they really encouraged us not to think about any successes you have as luck which I was very bad at and I think that's really quite often a, a thing that women do is that they think if something happens that's that they've they've made happen quite often they think oh they was just they were just lucky or they were just in the right place at the right time or whatever and uh, I think that two things came out of that for me the mindsets and behaviours thing were that um, I realised that I could maybe do more with Supernature than I had initially thought mm -hmm. and uh, Chris and I both kind of thought when we started winning awards and, and stuff we thought okay this um, you know we've got a really good product here maybe we could do a bit more with it than just having it as a little sideline and although that's exciting it's also a bit nerve-wracking because mm -hmm. you think oh wow can I do this you know am I capable of doing this and so that that when I was in the the business accelerator that really helped me realize that I had a, a business opportunity mm -hmm. and to take it seriously 
and to take myself seriously, not in the you know sober-faced seriously, but in uh, realizing that I was capable of of uh, making this into a successful business. One thing you told me in, when we were having a, a research <coughs> chat that really struck me about you was around that you you said that um you know i think it was very much imposter syndrome what you're talking yeah, about yeah. and that you felt like you were just a housewife and yeah. yet you'd founded this yeah. business and it was doing incredibly yeah. well and yeah. um i think that we all need to acknowledge it a wee yeah. bit more when we do feel like yeah. that yeah. and it sounds to me if you were told at a very young age that you know you you basically were never going to be a leader because of who you were it's it's these voices that you know it, something in having to choose who yeah. we listen to and which yeah. voices we choose to listen yeah, to because yeah. you must have had lots of empowering voices around you as well well i have done and one of the things actually is sometimes if you're underestimated that can actually be a bit of a gift mm -hmm. because you can go and you can push mm. forward and surprise people mm. and i've actually found that taking opportunities like like you talked about is really key so you know i i was invited to host networking events so i actually do public speaking too and i just realized like take the microphone <laughs> like have a shot and and stand up and host the events and um actually you can do things that you don't realize you can mm. but you, sometimes the person holding you back is you yeah. so uh, you know mm. uh, pushing you out of your comfort zone mm. is, is, is critical mm. isn't it funny when you start to blur the lines between fear and excitement mm -hmm. though and actually mm. getting to the point now in my life where I forget when I'm scared and, mm. and I just get that thrill that rush of adrenaline yeah. mm. which can sometimes absolutely propel you but I do think mm. you're right that sometimes depending on your personality type and maybe you'll be able to tell us more about this mm. um, I do think you need to be told you can't do something in order to, mm. to, to drive you forward to achieve it. Um, Lynn, one of the, the in, in the intro for you, I've, I've kind of mentioned a little bit about the Queen meeting the Queen and George Clooney. Um, I actually said something about getting snogged by George Clooney, which I think I've kind of taken to news of the world extreme, which is <laughs> had a bit of creative license with it. But because of this approach and because of this attitude that you mm. have, you have pushed yourself to, to do things and it's led to these mm. opportunities mm. for you. And um, Tell us about meeting the Queen. What happened there? <laughs> uh, well, that was actually um, we. Our farm is in Midlothian, and the New Borders Railway had had opened and was about to open, and it goes right past our farm. When it was being opened officially by the Queen and uh, Prince Philip, we um, I was invited to to go along and uh, be part of the kind of reception committee on the platform when she arrived at, at Newton Grange and was told they, she won't, she, there's a couple of people that she's going to be introduced to, and, uh, but apart from that, she won't be speaking to anyone. So, and uh, so I had gone along and taken my mum with me, got, my mum got to meet her as well. And it just so happened when she was doing the walk round, we were just standing there like a pair of lemons and she stopped and, um, started talking about the weather and, and saying oh, they were sorry they had been a bit delayed because they had flown down by helicopter to Bal from Balmoral or something oh, yeah. like that and she said sorry she was a bit delayed and and uh, and my mum which we've got on, on video which is hilarious uh, because someone had videoed it in the crowd and sent it to me my mum um, completely broke protocol and just couldn't resist sticking her hand out to shake the Queen's hand and the Queen just kind of looked at her hand and then, and then shook it <laughs> oh really? <laughs> 
I love all so, that around breaking pro you yeah. know, good honour. And then I just arrived back at the farm and they were all watching it on the one o'clock news and they well, were like, fantastic. You're on the news, look there you are on the platform. But there was obviously something about you that attracted yeah. the Queen. Something that the yeah. Queen thought, well that to her. <laughs> it must have been all that experience as a barmaid. Looks like someone that would give me a pint. Give me a pint over the counter. But also I find it really interesting that you um, always have some, some product with you yeah. and uh, this is how you managed to uh, meet George Clooney and, and you actually gave him some of your product. I did. I did have product with me when I went and met the Queen as well, but I wasn't bold, bold enough to, to <laughs> actually just shove some bottles <laughs> of oil in her hand. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, with the George Clooney thing, I was at an awards doing Edinburgh and uh, he was the um, the guest there, and after he'd spoken, I had two a bottle of black and a bottle of white mm -hmm. truffle oil, which are sort of small bottles in individual boxes, so fit in your handbag, even a, a clutch bag, and had them with me at the awards do. And after he had spoken, he, he was at the side of the stage. We were at the table right at the front, and Sir Tom Hunter, who was kind of emceeing it, I, I already know, and he... Um, uh, when George Clooney went to present someone with their watch that they had bought in the auction, I popped up to uh, Tom Hunter and said, uh, would you mind giving these to George Clooney? And it was the, the two, the black and white truffle oil. And he said, no, give them to him yourself. And I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm going back to sit down. But just, and then he said, no, no, and you give them to him. So I just went back to my seat. And as I was You weren't about prepared to, to see it through. No, well, I wasn't. But he did I wasn't it. prepared to embarrass myself <laughs> in front of 2,000 people <laughs> and, and go up and accost it, George right, Clooney social, in front of everybody. Yeah, that's thing, right. Yeah. So I didn't really want to, to be that embarrassing person that kind of forced, but I didn't mind being embarrassing enough to get Sir Tom Hunter to do it for me. Oh, yeah. Um, Enlist your pals. But uh, but anyway, I, I was just about to sit back down to my seat and uh, this arm grabbed me and it was Tom Hunter and he said, uh, and beside him, George Clooney was standing and he said, George, this girl's got a present for you. And uh, George Clooney was like, oh, right. And I said, uh, oh, actually, and brought the stuff out. And did, I mean, I hadn't thought what I was going to say or anything. So I just said, oh, this is a present from Scotland for you. <laughs> I said, um, your wife will be pleased because it's got Italian truffle pieces in it, oh, but it's Scottish well oil. Well researched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and handed it to him. And he said, oh, wow, thanks very much. And had a look and, and put his hand on my shoulder and gave me a kiss on my cheek. And, and you've uh, not washed that cheek. And I was like, <laughs> I was just thinking as I, as I went, as he walked away and I went and sat back down, I was thinking, oh my God, I didn't get a selfie. I didn't get a selfie. <laughs> Luckily, someone I know was sitting at a table nearby. Oh yeah. And uh, <laughs> and he had taken photographs yeah. of the whole thing. <laughs> which he sent me the you next You need those day. people in your life, don't you? The ones yeah. that are going to snap for you. So your own private paparazzi. <laughs> it's just, it's just when you go on a, when you go on a journey, I think in life, um, but especially in business as well, you, you just never know where the, the, the roads yeah. are going to take you that you're going to, to yeah. wander down. You've both, had a, yeah. <laughs> you've had a really, both have had a really incredible um, journey when it comes to your own personal development as well and, and with, with your businesses and it's kind of brought you to where you are today um, which is also a lovely connection that you both have. You're both Women's Enterprise Ambassadors. How long have you been doing it for and what is it that, that's involved with that role? Um, well, I started, I was one of the first ambassadors they had, I think there was four or five of us to start with, about a five, six years ago, when they started the ambassador programme. And the idea of it was that a p women in business needed role models 
Um, but what we like, I like to think of them as real models rather than role mm -hmm. models. So uh, it's, you know, if they're seeing someone who's um, a businesswoman that, that they can't really relate to, mm -hmm. then that might not be as inspiring or as helpful to them. So the fact was that it was people that were maybe quite early in business or people who had had, you know, a bit of success in business, people that had gone through some kind of business journey and that we would be, um, able to kind of support, encourage, inspire other women to get into business. And the reason that, that WES were keen to do this is that um, they really sort of lobby um, for, for change in um, the kind of business landscape around w supporting women in business. They're pushing for a, a National Women's Business Centre in Scotland because if women started businesses at the same rate as men in Scotland, um, it would add eight billion a year to the economy. Mm -hmm. um, it's absolutely yeah. huge. And so they think that, you know, there really needs to be much more specific, tailored help for women because I'm not seeing men who are starting businesses don't have hurdles to overcome and, and might be not feeling confident in things, but there's a, a particular um, thing where women have have these hurdles that, that seem to be more specific to women to and, us, yeah. and they want to really help them with that. And I think, Lisa, you, you've been doing the same kind of thing um, yeah. with Wes. And yeah, well, I joined in the third cohort. There's, there's quite a lot more of us now. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things that they talk about is that you can't be what you can't see. So I might not necessarily think of myself as a, a role model, but actually well, you if are. you are you at a stage are. in business where you have gone out and founded a business, even if one person says that and thinks, well, I could do that too, mm -hmm. um, then that can be quite You're powerful. spot on. And actually the visibility with diversity is so important because right now there's so many BAME initiatives and that then develops this discussion about whether or not it's positive discrimination and mm. is positive discrimination a positive thing uh, when mm. it actually leads to discrimination. Yeah. And, you know, there's all these topics but at the end of the day it's exactly what you've just said you know unless more women are making the, the decisions unless we're seeing more diversity yeah. then we're not going to think it's achievable and yeah. I'm such a big fan of that yeah. that mindset really that we have to see it to believe it we have yes. to see it to, 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 to believe and that we can do feel it feel that we can be welcoming part of, of, of that environment Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Now, obviously, we've been talking about development today, and I'd love to know what some of your tips or words of advice or encouragement would be for people who are looking to develop themselves either personally or in their careers. Um, well, I would always say look out for opportunities um, and, and take them. Um, and sometimes, you know, people, you know, you shouldn't hold yourself back. Plenty of people will do that for you. So if there's things that you can apply for or try for, I don't really see what you have to lose. Um, put yourself forward and see what happens. You yeah, have to be in it to win it, don't you? Exactly. And, but exactly. on the back of that, you have. I remember you spoke in our research chat about <laughs> the fact that from I think in primary school that you were in a you applied for for something with the Rotary International an essay writing competition. That's right. <laughs> and you've you've just had so many opportunities in life that have come off the back of just you know applying I mean I'm sure that your applications were also incredible <laughs> and it's got a lot to do with your talent as well but um, you know it is amazing to see what can happen if you put your well there's your so many opportunities out there making the time to to try um, and put yourself in the ring and see what happens definitely thanks and Lynn pushing yourself out your comfort zone definitely um, just giving it a go and not thinking too much about all the things that might go wrong or, or why you can't do something. Yes. Just uh, 
trying it and, and you know a lot of the time it's the case of what's the worst thing that can happen if you give it a go. Yeah, exactly. I think on the back of what we've been talking about today, I would say to people to not give themselves a hard time for the things that they've done that they feel don't have any value or that they've wasted their time or that they failed mm -hmm. at something because everything comes back in life. Everything comes back tenfold. One thing I did when I was much younger was I spent a long time doing an online Photoshop course, an Illustrator okay. course, and then I thought, why the hell have I wasted all this time doing it? Mm. And actually now it's something that I use quite a lot and can make posters and especially when it comes to my own kind of branding and stuff, it's yeah. really, really important. And it's great to be able to just do it yourself. You know, you don't need to necessarily wait for, for anyone else or enlist mm. any help. So, mm. I mean, that was like 15 years ago and I'm just using it now. So, you know, you never know. <laughs> you it never sounds know. like you enjoy that. Yeah well there's yeah. definitely the a creative aspect. element yeah, yeah there's definitely a creative element to it and um, now as always we do finish on a little inspo quote or words of wisdom or inspiration so i wonder if you might have one that you want to share um well i would maybe mention a book that i, I really enjoyed that i, I find quite inspirational and um, it's a book by susan kane and it's called quiet the power of introverts and it actually was one of the things that i read where i learned well do you know what you don't always have to change to fit other people's ideas or stereotypes actually why not look at what strengths you bring and that you could lead with yourself um, and and the diversity and mix that you could bring to dynamic with that so i that's a that's a reading tip for me that and there was mm. a fab ted talk from yes, that book as well, did. wasn't there? Yeah yeah, 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 I'm a big fan of TED Talks. That's like when I'm over at home. I like, <laughs> I like watching a TED Talk because it makes me feel worthy. <laughs> and how about yourself, Lynn? Hey, well, I have a, a quote that I kind of remind myself often, but it's also the title of a book that I read years ago, um, I think probably 20 plus years ago, uh, called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway oh, yeah. by Susan Jeffers. And it is just what it says on the tin, it's just about, again, pushing that, that edge of, of what you're comfortable with and realising that being scared of doing something isn't a barrier to doing it. You can be scared of doing something and still do it and still get the rewards of doing it. And the more you do that, the more you feel able to do that. Yeah. And the, then the world's your oyster, really. There is such strength in conquering your fears, I think, and just embracing them. And I know that sounds like something that people just say, but mm. the number of times, I mean, I think there's maybe once that I tried to do it and failed and it really still makes me cringe. And it was doing a bungee jump when I, when <laughs> I just convinced myself that it was going to be fine. And then I did this horrible flop. And I still mm. think about it because they had to push me because I was so scared to jump that they actually had to push me off. Um, they robbed me of my moment. And, you know, that was the one time I didn't quite accomplish. <laughs> I didn't quite conquer my fear, but it looked awful. And apparently there was a child watching on the ground looking up at me swinging and they just went well that was rubbish <laughs> and so this was what my friend the feedback I got from my friend when I came back. Um, Lisa Thompson and Lynn Mann it has been so so nice to have you here thank you both so much for your time well, thank, thank you. you it's been great, great. thank you <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this, our final episode of the series. We'll be back later in the year, but until then, stay well. See you soon.